Have you ever had a eureka moment? The spark of an idea, perhaps something a little strange, but something so original that maybe, just maybe, it could help save the world. These people have. We were commercialising our bio-based materials, a mushroom-based insulation, an insulation material for buildings made out of mycelium, the root structure of mushrooms. Building insulation made from mushrooms? What about using sculpture to protect coral reefs? This project is going to be the tallest underwater sculpture in the world. Some Eureka moments are about empowering others. It's increasing crop yields, um, it's bringing back grass for the cattle to graze on. So it's, it's really uh, empowering people in their daily lives. And this Eureka moment was realising that we could combat the impact that the pandemic is having on mental health. We built digital therapeutics for the treatment of mental health disorders. And we adapted that stress course in a way that all of its recommendations could be followed even under lockdown, available for free. It's called the Corona Course. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation on the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. I'm Robin Pomeroy, Digital Editor at the World Economic Forum. And with the first of our New Look podcasts, this is Radio Davos. A year ago, the World Economic Forum launched its first regular podcast, World vs. Virus, looking at the impacts of the pandemic on health, the economy, jobs, education, trade and society and everything else. Now, as the world begins to build out of COVID-19, we're relaunching the show under the name Radio Davos. Why Davos? Davos is the town in the high Swiss Alps where the Forum holds its annual meetings, bringing together governments, business and civil society to talk about the biggest challenges and changes affecting everyone in the world. And that's what we'll be bringing you on Radio Davos. Discussions on the big issues and interviews with the people who have the ideas, platforms or power to make change happen. We'll still be bringing you coverage of the pandemic, but Radio Davos will also cover many other things, from climate change to inequality, the future of technology, the rapidly changing world of work, all the big issues, the biggest global challenges, with a focus on how we might solve them. With that in mind, I'm delighted that the first regular episode of Radio Davos this episode is about an initiative that invites anyone to submit ideas for how we might solve the big global problems. It's called Uplink and here to tell me about it is my colleague Emanuela Orsini. Hi Emanuela, how are you? Hi Robin, I'm well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now tell us, what is Uplink? Yeah, so Uplink is an online platform uh, which was launched by the World Economic Forum in partnership with Deloitte and Salesforce, where entrepreneurs who have great ideas for improving the state of the world can submit these ideas and get access to expertise, resources, and potentially investors. Okay, and how's it going so far? It's going great. Um, we have different topics uh, that respond to the UN Sustainable Development Goals, such as ways to improve our oceans, reduce plastic pollution, ways to make our economy more circular and more sustainable, and other topics on reforestation, clean energy, future food, as well as solutions to help fight against the repercussions of COVID-19, among many others. Okay, so let's imagine I've come up with some great idea. I've had a eureka moment and I join Uplink and I put a submission to Uplink about what that innovation is. How can Uplink help some of those startups with their innovations? Yes, yeah, so through the Uplink platform, the entrepreneurs are able to collaborate with others and even join forces on certain projects, but also they get access to the forum's network, they can get access to projects, partners and events, as well as workshops and virtual sessions. And uh, we also produce videos, blogs, and other social content for the winners of the challenges, which gives them a lot of visibility through the forum's website and social media channels. 
Right. And if I understand right, you work with these series of challenges. So every couple of months, you put out a call for submissions on certain themes. Is that right? And you call these challenges. How does that work? Yeah, so we have different challenges on a variety of topics that I mentioned earlier, and we just recently launched the Circular Economy Challenge. So we're looking for innovators to come up with solutions to make our world more sustainable. Uh, so for this one, we partnered with Accenture and their Circular's Accelerator cohort. So I want to tell you a bit more about one startup in particular that's part of this challenge. I'd like to hear about that. Let's just tackle this word circular, which is one of these forumy words that the people at the World Economic Forum use all the time. But I'm aware that normal people, uh, not everyone's aware of what it is. Instead of um, throwing stuff away, it's a way of keeping things in use and putting them back. It's a kind, it's a form of recycling, right? But it's it's recycling at its best. I think would that be fair? Yeah, so the circular economy refers to looking at ways to eliminate waste and continuously recycle and reuse our resources. So right now, the way our economy functions is that we produce, consume, and then we dispose. But the circular economy wants to look at reusing, recycling, and minimizing the creation of waste, pollution, and carbon emissions. So for example, one of the solutions we have on Uplink is from another company called Natural Fiber Welding, and they create clothing out of plant-based materials, such as recycled cotton fiber. So these items can be fully recycled instead of ending up in a landfill. Okay, so tell us about, you were going to mention this one startup that's tackled that. So for the Circular Economy Challenge, I want to mention the great companies that are supporting us on this one. Uh, the challenge is led by Accenture in partnership with Anglo-American, Ecolab, and Schneider Electric, and uh, all of their Circulars Accelerator cohort. Um, but I want to tell you about one startup in particular. They're called Biome, and they're based in the UK. They basically created construction materials out of vegetative components. So it's a really interesting and innovative idea to help reduce toxic waste in the construction industry. So I spoke to the founder, Ehab Syed. He's a 30-year-old entrepreneur, engineer, and designer based in London. So Biome is a research and development-led company. We have a very simple philosophy, and it's to only have a positive or regenerative impact on everything that we touch. Um, we're basically trying to uh, revolutionize the construction industry by trying to, you know, uh, change perceptions and, and make people look at buildings in different ways. And we're achieving that through our bio-based materials, a range of construction systems, and also some uh, research and services that we offer. So this entrepreneur is saying, and I quote, we're basically trying to revolutionize the construction industry. That's a big industry and one that tends not to revolutionize too quickly. It's, it's a, an industry where people stick to old traditions of, of constructing buildings. Um, and also, it's a, a vitally important industry because by some calculations, buildings and the use of the buildings once they're built accounts for something like 40% of energy-related carbon dioxide emissions, so a massive contributor to um, global warming. Now, this company, Biome, is looking at these construction materials, which are traditionally carbon intensive, what examples did um, did this entrepreneur give you? So he uses mushrooms, basically mycelium, which is the root base of a mushroom. Um, and he also uses food waste. So let's hear a bit more about uh, what he does. So um, at the moment, we're commercializing our bio-based materials and um, they consist of a mushroom-based insulation. 
Um, so it's an insulation material for buildings made out of mycelium, the root structure of mushrooms. And what we do is we grow that um, to, into a panel, into an insulation panel that can provide um, superior insulation values compared to other alternatives on the market. It's, according to accreditation, the healthiest material on the market at the moment. And it's also, of course, carbon negative because it sequesters carbon and waste as it as it grows. It came from a master's project that I was doing uh, when I was doing my, my master's at Brunel University. Um, and I was looking into the waste streams in the UK and why those waste streams are being generated, where they're coming from. And I found that the figures coming out of the construction industry were just absolutely shocking. You know, I couldn't believe the amount of waste coming out there and the hazardous waste and the way it's being um, disposed of. So I thought, you know, the best way to address this is to understand the barriers and the main challenges there. And I realized it wasn't a financial or technological challenge, but it was more of a uh, perceptual challenge. And that's when I developed the construction system Triangomy, which is a circular construction system, allows buildings to be deconstructed at any stage of their life. Um, and I patented that and started the company Bio. And very quickly, I realized we've got a bigger problem at hand, which was the materials. And that's when I did a bit of a pivot and focused more on materials, brought on board some amazing scientists and engineers and designers and started developing our own materials. So what does the world of construction, a world based on steel and concrete usually, make of these biomaterials? This is an entirely new process for an industry that he says has usually been very rigid and a bit slow at changing the way they do things. But he does say that more and more people are opening up to the idea. Well, of course, the first reaction is we build buildings to try our best to make sure that mold goes nowhere near our constructions. <laughs> and I think uh, trying to convince the construction industry to put fungus in the building <laughs> has been quite a bit of a, a step. But I think um, there's been so much change recently in terms of climate awareness and um, just also, you know, understanding the, the engineering and the, the way buildings work. Um, so now we're starting to realize that, you know, the word bio-based or the word natural um, used to be associated with a stigma. And now that stigma is starting to fade away as we're starting to do tests against standard. And we're proving that we're outperforming those synthetic or plastic alternatives that we've been so used to using. And, and because they're so high performing, but now we're showing that there's a natural alternative using nature's genius, no chemicals, no additives, no coatings, and achieving just as good a performance, if not better. So that's a company called Biome with a strange spelling, Emanuela. Why don't you tell us how it's spelled if people want to search for it? It's spelled B-I-O-H-M. Okay, so people can find that. Now, in this episode of Radio Davos, we're talking about the Uplink platform and Emanuela Orsini, my colleague, is giving us some examples. In fact, today we're going to hear four. That's the first of four examples of very different ideas of these eureka moments of entrepreneurs who've come up with an idea and by putting them on the Uplink platform, it's given them access to networks of potential partners or investors and also the publicity that comes with it. So Emanuela, tell us about another idea that's been successful on Uplink. One of the first challenges we launched was the Trillion Trees Challenge in collaboration with 1T.org. And we were trying to find ideas on ways to conserve, restore, and grow a trillion trees as part of a larger effort in reforestation. So one of the startups that we selected as part of our cohort was Just Dig It. It's a Dutch-based organization, and they use 
farmer-managed natural regeneration technique to educate farmers in regreening desolate areas. So specifically, they've worked with local farmers in sub-Saharan Africa, and they were able to regenerate over 4 million trees. So this was a nice example of an organization working with local communities to use traditional techniques for landscape restoration. Um, I spoke with Marilene Alpers from Just Dig It. Just Dig It is a foundation uh, that focuses on large-scale uh, landscape restoration. Uh, to put it simply, uh, we want to make dry lands uh, green again by inspiring and empowering uh, smallholder farmers and pastoralists in Africa to regreen their lands, uh, which is both positively impacting uh, climate, nature, it increases biodiversity, and it allows people to live off their lands again. So working initially in Kenya with the Maasai people, Just Dig It has several methods for reversing soil erosion and deforestation. Here's one of them. Yeah, we dig these kind of semicircular buns, um, uh, the water buns, or we call them also earth uh, smiles. You open up the topsoil and then uh, when it rains, and it does rain in those areas, but then it rains so hard, normally all the water runs off. So 80% uh, doesn't stay there and, and just run off. Um, but when you open up the topsoil, the water uh, has the possibility to enter again. So you restore the water balance and um, yeah, the, 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 the seeds can, can, can start regrowing. When you combine that with good um, um, land use management and grazing management systems, then you can really restore um, uh, the grazing land for the Maasai in particular. Another uh, technique that is highly scalable is uh, bringing back trees on farmlands. We do that uh, uh, in our programs in Tanzania at the moment. And that means that you uh, bring back um, uh, uh, tree stumps um, uh, back to life. So a lot of trees have been cut down in the past, and when you but the, um, the stumps are still there. So the energy uh, and the whole root system is still in place. So when you start uh, cutting off all the, the different sprouts uh, to one or two, then you can start regrowing a, a tree in a couple of years' time. And that really um, yeah, brings back fertility to the soil and also stores carbon. It, it's increasing crop yields. Um, it's bringing back grass for the cattle to graze on. So it's, it's really uh, empowering people in their daily lives. So yeah, for both ways, it's, it's, it's working really well. So Uplink has really helped just to get gain more visibility, but they also were able to collaborate and work with other startups on the platform. Yeah, well, for us, it was a great opportunity to uh, to showcase uh, our programs, um, uh, yeah, to a huge audience, of course. So, so that um, it's, uh, it, of course, it also offers you credibility for for what you're doing. Um, it connects you to, um, yeah, a whole new um, uh, group of, of of corporates, but also other organizations. I think in the cohort where we were in, it was also great to to work with other organizations. Um, we uh, we're now working with, uh, for example. With Greenstand, who was also with us in the in the Uplink uh, cohort, uh, they, they have a tree tracker, so we use them <laughs> the tree tracker in our programs as well. Um, yeah, we are exploring possibility with MPX. Um, um, yeah, there there are many other that also on the carbon issue. It was for us, it, it gave us um, uh, a lot of information. We, we thought that the, the way we were working with with so many smallholder farmers that it was kind of impossible to certify the carbon, but there were other examples that um, in our cohort that uh, that showed us that it was possible. So it really opened a lot of opportunities for us, but also a chance to build on further and new partnerships. Marilyn Albers, Managing Director of Just Dig It, talking about her experience with Uplink. You're listening to Radio Davos. We'll be right back after this. News of the latest from our sister podcast, 
Meet the leader. How can you grow a company while at the same time making sure that there would be a balance between the growth of the company and respect of the planet? How do you solve big problems? One small step at a time. That's the approach from Eric Rondelot, the Signify Lighting CEO whose company achieved carbon neutrality last fall. The lighting company's history with game-changing innovations harks back to 1891 and the days of carbon filament lamps. Today, as it looks to improve lives and the planet, Rondelot will share how the journey to carbon neutrality transformed the company and helped it think of new solutions where fixtures are designed to get a second and third life and even led it to rethink everything from product design to distribution. We are at the beginning of a big transformation here, but we have already started to make that happen. He'll walk us through his company's transformation and what he learned. And as he does, he'll share why being too rational can sometimes hold big changes back and the importance of imagination. There's all that and more on the World Economic Forum podcast, Meet the Leader. I'm your host, Linda Lucina. Listen wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Radio Davos, where we're talking about Uplink, a scheme that helps people take their eureka ideas, particularly innovations aimed at improving the state of the world, and it helps make them happen. Emanuela Orsini works with Uplink at the World Economic Forum. She's already shown us one company that's developing building materials from plants and waste products, and another one that's a large-scale scheme to combat soil degradation and deforestation in Africa. Emanuela, let's hear another. So I want to talk to you a bit about Global Coalition, which is an organization that was part of our Ocean Challenge. Oh, well, yeah. So Global, you just said Coalition there. That, that's a deliberate pun, right? It's yes. not a mispronunciation. Exactly. Okay, Because it's to do with corals exactly. as well as coalitions. Okay, tell us about them. Yeah, so what they do is combine art and science to help regenerate coral reefs in areas where there has been a decline in marine life. So right now they're based in the Dominican Republic and picture that they created an enormous reef sculpture which is 13 feet tall, in the shape of Atabees, who's the mother of the Taino, the indigenous people of the Caribbean. So it's a large sculpture in the shape of an indigenous woman, which is... Okay, hold, hold on a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> Let me stop you there. So we've had a company that's creating uh, building insulation out of mushroom roots. Fair enough. We've had a company that is helping uh, combat soil erosion um, in Kenya. This is a this is an idea they're putting. Did you say a sculpture? So a, a sculpture of a kind of a, a human type figure exactly. or, or or an ancient god. They're lowering it to the bottom of the sea. Yeah. Really? So okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Do tell us more. Let's yeah. More. So they put it into the ocean uh, and basically becomes an artificial reef and marine habitat. Um, so let's hear more. I spoke with the founder uh, Angeline Chen to tell us a bit more about this initiative. We're exploring how we can unite art, science, and local communities to accelerate marine restoration in areas where they're facing marine ecosystem decline. Um, so we, we build large-scale sculptures, usually inspired by the local area, and we build them in public areas that has we've found has inspired and drawn the community together towards learning about marine, their marine environment, and also being inspired to get involved. Um, and then we work with coral farming techniques to try and increase the key species of the area. And then we work with local partners and regenerative organizations to try and 
identify what are the main causes of reef degradation in the region. And we try to tackle those. And primarily in these uh, local island environments, it's overfishing and pollution. So we're working to create marine protected areas around the sites that we work, as well as figure out how to treat the water waste, the sewage systems, and um, introduce recycling technology. This is our second sculpture. Our first one was in Thailand. Um, we had gifted it to the local community there of divers, and they built 36 pyramids around the sculpture, transplanted 5,000 corals, and and use it as a restoration site and um, an education site for divers as well. Um, this project we are building here in the Dominican Republic, it's going to be the tallest underwater sculpture in the world. And we, um, we built it on a public beach for many months where we were raising a lot of awareness uh, through the process about the what was happening right in, in front of the, the local community that a lot of people don't actually put their heads in the water. So they weren't able to see that over the last 30 years, what was a thriving reef had now become a lot of skeletons of coral. Um, so the, the reef had declined here from 60% to under 10%. I get it. So by installing huge sculptures on the seabed, they generate awareness of the area and attract regeneration work to grow corals back. Yes, and that awareness raising is vital. The project went viral on local Dominican news, um, as well as um, reached the president of the DR and, and national news. And everyone wanted to know what is this sculpture about and why are people building it here uh -huh. in, in our town? Um, and when, when we were able to share the, the purpose of the sculpture is for marine restoration and, and Actually, a very important component of using a cultural image is that it becomes a, an ecotourism attraction for that area. So it's been beautiful to see the Ministry of Culture and Tourism are super excited to, to explore how can we create more of these around the island? How could we raise awareness about the culture of the Dominican Republic while being able to bring more support towards restoration? So what's great with this organization is that they also got locals very interested and involved in this project, and that can have an impact on the long term. A lot of what we're doing is actually creating more jobs for the communities. We work a lot with the, the boatsmen and the, the fishermen in our marine conservation. We're um, integrated with a lot of the schools and creating programs where the children can come and learn with us in our farms. Even with the dive community here, we have like you know, maybe 10 to 20 dive schools in the area. These divers are in the water all the time. Um, they've witnessed the reefs degrade, but they didn't know what they could do. They don't know the right techniques. So being able to create a sculpture, for example, that now has brought all the dive schools together to, you know, to focus on one area as an example, and to know that if we nurture this area, it becomes a, an ecotourism attraction for us. So we benefit from it but also creating the environment where they can learn with us so that, you know, all those barriers to entry go down, um, the knowledge gets transferred. And if they if they wanted to create something in another site, they now have that that ability. So that was Angeline Chen of Global Coalition. So now we've heard three projects that are focused in one way or another on the environment. But Emanuela, Uplink does support other innovations, right? Yes. Yeah, so we launched about a year ago uh, during the pandemic and also launched the COVID challenge to find solutions to help cope with the fight against COVID-19. So let's hear from Hannes Klopper from Hello Better. Hello Better is a, um, is a, a digital mental health startup. So we built 
digital therapeutics for the treatment, uh, prevention and treatment, I should say, of mental health disorders. So what does that mean? It's essentially online courses that help people um, or empower people to, to change their lives. Close to a billion people suffer from mental health disorders globally. And, um, you know, in the, in the best healthcare systems, some 10% or so get treated by a qualified specialist, a psychologist or psychiatrist. But um, uh, 90% are either not being treated at all or just kind of administered, let's say, by a general practitioner who's not really educated or, or, or trained to um, uh, provide uh, um, yeah, adequate relief to, to someone that suffers from, a, um, uh, from mental health disorders. When, when Corona hit, we, we realized, okay, this is not just, <laughs> quote-unquote just, uh, a, a pandemic, but it's also an epidemic of uh, um, epic proportions when it comes to mental health disorders that kind of follows in its wake. It's a sort of a hidden, a hidden epidemic or, or a hidden pandemic um, where, you know, people that suffer due to the pandemic uh, um, also uh, suffer in many ways. Uh, their mental health suffers. So and that might be very indirectly, right? I mean, of course, you know, if you're affected directly by uh, by the disease itself, uh, yourself or, you know, your 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 loved ones or your immediate environment, that, that can be very stressful. But it can also be stressful, you know, if you're afraid to lose your job or if you actually lose your job or if you don't have access to childcare anymore or you can't visit your relatives in a, in a care home or, you know, all sorts of other stresses that suddenly... Um, have entered our lives or just the mere fact that you can't follow your routine and you can't go to the gym class that you always that you've always gone to that that kind of enabled you to uh that was a good balance to your to your everyday stress so in order to deal with the mental health crisis of the pandemic hello better launched a free online course to help people deal with preventing stress anxiety and depression caused by covid19 what we did is that we took our stress uh, management course it's uh, actually the most effective stress management course for which there's published data globally and we adapted that stress course in a way that all of its recommendations could be followed even under uh, quarantine or lockdown conditions so whereas you know the normal stress management program might say you know uh, or suggests you know you I don't know go out dancing or uh, you know invite people over for for dinner you know that might not be possible in this current circumstances and um and then we've we've um, adapted it accordingly. Uh, also, you know, there's a stronger focus on on economic anxiety and health anxiety and these kind of topics that um, you know otherwise wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be the focus of a program like this. Hans Klopper there from Hello Better, Emanuela. How can people sign up for the help uh, with mental health that he was talking about? Yes, yeah, so people can go on the Hello Better website, create an account and sign up for the free course from anywhere in the world. And anyone can sign up to Uplink as well. Um, tell us how people can do that and how they can find out more about these initiatives, how they can get in touch and tell you about their Eureka moments. Yes, yeah, so anyone can sign up to Uplink. You can create an account for free, explore our different topic areas and challenges. And if you have an idea you want to share with us, then make sure you submit it to our platform. And also make sure to follow us on the foreign social media channels. It's called Uplink. Go and look for it online. Emanuela, thanks very much. Thank you, Robin. 
And thanks to you for listening to this, our first regular episode of Radio Davos. Please subscribe to receive it every week. Just search Radio Davos wherever you get your podcasts. And if you would be so kind, please take a moment to like, rate and review us. You can find all our podcasts at weform.ch slash podcasts. And if you have any comments, questions or suggestions on our podcasts, please find us at the World Economic Forum Podcast Club on Facebook. Reporting for Radio Davos this week was Emanuela Orsini and Ross Cheney. Studio production was by Gareth Nolan. I'm Robin Pomeroy. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>